Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Artist, friend, and Kinsey Six, Corey Green, joined me to just kind of tell me the story of his life. I truly savor when I get the opportunity to just hear someone tell me their, their, not only their coming out story, just what was it like exploring sex, especially when you grew up where you didn't get much information about it. There was no context. Understanding the adventure that people went on is something that I savor uh, having conversations about. If you lived that small town teenage life, you will certainly appreciate Corey's tales. Corey was absolutely an open book, and I think you all know how much I like that kind of guest. We just, we just let it flow. And I, I learned a lot about my friend that I had not heard before. And I think a lot of what Corey speaks to is just sort of the natural path for people. So whether you have been considering how you can understand more about your proclivities for kink, understanding your queerness, and so much more, listening to this conversation can hopefully help you feel a little bit more normal if you're kind of questioning like, oh God, what, I'm, I'm into this thing. What is, what is wrong with me? So many people put this label on themselves that makes them feel like you know, they're, they're a freak or there is something wrong with them. Honestly, I, I have never actually had someone ask me if anything was wrong with them and then tell me the thing. And I've had to go like, actually, yeah, I think that that's something that we need to, um, to discuss. There is actually something wrong with you. I've never, ever <laughs> had to have that conversation with someone. I've always been able to look people in the eyes and say like, well, first off, like there's no right or wrong here. There's no normal or abnormal because who gets to decide those things anyway? Let's not put any labels on it like socially deviant. Maybe let's just say uh, kinky. Let's just say wild. I don't know. There doesn't have to be any label on it that demonstrates a value judgment. So consider the labels that perhaps you should shift when you think about the things that you are into or the things that you want to try or the things you've done in the past. Let go of that fear, that guilt, that shame. Let that label shift. Don't forget to pick up your July copy of The Pitch. My column about age gap relationships and algorithms is on newsstands now. I very much appreciate you joining me for all these fabulous Pride Month themed episodes. I was so very honored to have representation from, let's see here, I had the gays, the bisexuals, the pansexuals, the asexuals, all covered in my Pride Month episodes. There was simply some fabulous storytelling on my podcast this last month from all of these wonderful guests. And I was, I feel honored. I'm so appreciative. I have so much gratitude for everyone feeling open enough to share their stories, not only with me, but with my audience. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on Keep Them Coming, please send me an email, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N at openthedoorscoaching.com. Give me just a little brief synopsis. You can also go to... All right. Well, thank you again for joining me. Enjoy the episode. I'm joined by my friend, Corey Green, today. Corey's an artist. He's in the creative field. And I just wanted to have a friend that, you know, someone I actually know um, on the podcast for a change. But uh, we don't know each other like besties do. So we're going to be doing a bit of a, maybe a Q and a session back and forth, getting oh, to dangerous. know one another's uh, queer stories, life, dating, relationships, whatever. We're just going to have fun today. So welcome yeah. to the show, Corey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So we 
met about, a, well, it's only been about 10 months because we met at Pride last year, which was actually in August. So this last weekend, we got to celebrate our second Pride together. Yes. Heck yes. Pride was a lot of fun. I had never marched in the parade before. Oh, how was it? Uh, my ankles hurt yesterday. Okay. Uh, I wore I wore my chucks, which are a little heavy, mm-hmm. um, but I had a lot of fun. I was the lube fairy. For anyone listening, uh, I didn't get recognized actually by people standing right next to me a couple of times. Um, if you were at the Pride Parade in Kansas City, you may have seen me with the LGBT chamber, but I had a short bob pink wig, uh, headband with little like bobbles, giving me kind of like rainbow antennas, and a shirt that said no fake orgasms. Loved and it. Uh, you may or may not have seen me tossing lube samples out of my fanny pack. So, oh, and I was also wearing a rainbow tutu. I was like, you didn't toss lube my way. I'm sorry, I give you free lube all the time. That's true, that's true. Thank you. <laughs> you always know you can hit me up for any lube, <laughs> lube samples anytime you want. I will give you like, I'll give you a pocket full next time. Oh, yes. I hopefully set some, some gays up for some fun this weekend. There was plenty of people giving away condoms. I figured I would fill in the gaps with some really high quality lube. Unintended? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know I love puns. Hello, my podcast is called Keep Them Coming. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. But honestly, <laughs> such a, yeah, that's right. I mean, the thing is, it's like that lube is great. It's been a game changer um, and I'm obsessed. So thank yeah. you. That is my goal is to get everyone obsessed with Uber Lube. Absolutely. I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> Tell me, how was your Pride Weekend, Corey? Ooh, Pride Weekend was great. Um, luckily, all of the festivities weren't too crazy. Um, I just managed to bring in the crazy when everybody else is, you know, resting and usually sobering up. Um, and I try to switch it up a little bit. But I haven't walked in the parade, but I did go to the main festival itself and it was wild just wild how many people are out and about this week now that things are starting to kind of level out a little bit with the pandemic people feel a lot more comfortable and especially being new to Kansas City last year was a great sample to kind of get myself comfortable with the community see where I fit in but yesterday it was really actually Saturday it was beautiful just to watch how many people from out of town came in and a lot of parents a lot of non-binary a lot of queer folk who identify anywhere on the spectrum and it was just beautiful to watch and be part of. And I'm constantly surprised. But they definitely need to get their uh, water and alcohol lines in check because Corey was a little bit too sober the entire time. But that's okay. <laughs> we fixed that yesterday. Uh, I, see, I had a, a busy weekend lined up. I had multiple events. I had something Friday at my office and then I marched to the parade and the little time at the booth, but also wearing a wig made me so hot. I got a little overheated. Oh, heck yeah. Um, How you did it, I don't know. Bless the hearts of all the queens and like the sisters, the Fountain City sisters. Oh, yeah. I like hats off to them. I don't wear hats, but hats off if I had one. How they do it and all the things between the wigs, the makeup, the costumes, like I, I, I bless them. I could not do it. Yeah. And the energy that they just continue to bring every single time. I'm just like, I would like, can I just have like a little drop of that just in my life? Yes. Yes. I walked by one of them, like standing in the shade, fanning themselves as I was on my way to the porta potties. And we were both drinking like that free bubbly that we got. And we're like, oh my God, thank God for free beverages. Mm-hmm. But uh, poor thing. They were in actually just like an orange jumpsuit, like their legs were showing and still just the headdress and the, the makeup. I could just see them like sweating buckets. So I was like, yes, oh God, you poor thing. Bless you. Good luck this weekend. But also thank you. I'm glad that you're here and that you feel comfortable. And yes. I love that. You know, I actually ran into some of them at RenFest last time I went. I don't think it was actually, maybe it was this last fall that I went. It had to have been. Um, and several of them were there. And I saw a dad talking to his maybe 10, 12 year old son. I'm not great at guessing kids' ages. And it, it wasn't that the kid was necessarily asking questions or that were negative. It appeared like he was just like, uh, what is going on here, dad? And the dad very directly and very calmly was like, well, you know, some people dress like this to, to promote a cause. And it sounded like the dad knew who they were. You know, because they always were their, their name tags and things like that. Right. Um, for those of you that don't know, Fountain City Sisters, look them up. They're a, a drag group. They're fabulous. Anyway. Uh, just very calmly explaining, like, some people dress like this, and, like, that's okay. 
Like if they do it for fun, they're doing it for like a specific cause, but they're doing it to raise awareness in the community. And but just watching them walk off having a conversation about drag queens at Renfest just warmed my heart. I was like, yes, oh my gosh, Dad, yeah. thank you. You're doing it right. I know because it's like they're normalizing the queer spectrum. And I think that is the thing. It's been it's been really beautiful to watch, even just in the last 10 years, how much things have been normalized. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I'm just so thankful to be the age, you know, in my 30s, and, but like being able to really just be myself and still kind of figure myself out, but be in a space to be able to do that. It's, it's really cool. And it's really cool to watch the youth be part of that too. Um, so it's been, you know, over the course of the years, it's been really wild just to see and to, just to see how much as a culture we've all grown. We still have a long ways to go, but we're making, you know, we're making a lot of headway. Without getting too deep into complaining about what's been going on in several legislatures over the last mm. like year, a couple of years, like uh, it, it feels like socially we are making so much progress yet politically this very small minority, these little fucking cults are holding uh -huh. us hostage. So I'm also trying to focus on the hate two thirds of, of America is like cool with queer people. And the New York times actually just came out with an article talking about, we are, we are seeing the numbers of people who identify as transgender increase specifically amongst the younger generation. And right. it, it warms my heart. Cause it's, it is not, <laughs> it is not that there is more queer people or gender nonconforming or trans people or anything. It's simply that more and more of them live in cities and homes where they can be comfortable with simply being themselves. Right. And that's the thing is like, we're so, we're, we're so heavy on data where it's like, it can be on your Instagram algorithm. It can be on Facebook. There's, we live in such an information overload. There's pros and cons to it. This is one of those situations where it is a pro, but yeah, the political side concerning, I have a really good friend that just got her Canadian citizenship and I'm always being like, you know, someday, you know, you need to stay single just in case. <laughs> So that way I can, you know, get my green card one in if necessary. So, you know, I have my lines up on that one. And, and it's interesting too mm -hmm. to be in that space where, you know, if we do go backwards, especially on the political side, if rights are taken away, it's like, I'm out and about like my social media several years ago, I fully put it out to the public. And it's one of those things, like, I don't want to be a target. And I'm, I'm much more aware of that because I am fully out, you know, mm -hmm. I'm still figuring myself out in this space, but it's one of those it's one of those situations where it's like, it is, it is a concern. And I think that's where the more conversations that we have about it. And the thing is we as people have the ability to make changes and use ourselves as voices to be able to create that cause. But also the biggest thing, and this is what I will say to everyone when it comes to politics, because it's like, I get it. If you don't understand it, have a conversation with me. You know, you don't have to necessarily agree with me or you could be rooted in some religious space. But the biggest thing is learn the other side don't judge. And that also goes for people that are in the queer community. Don't judge if someone doesn't agree with you. They might have reasons. There might be trauma. There's lots of different things. But just be nice. Educate yourself. Choose to see their side. You don't necessarily have to change your opinion, but at least hear them out. That's all that matters. And if we, if we do that, I think the world would be immensely better. Agreed. So box off. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, Matthew and I have, have had that conversation that if things go backwards, there's a target on my back too. Not not just for totally. being a queer woman. You know, obviously I'm in a, a what appears to be just a heterosexual relationship, even though we are both bisexual. Um, but there's a little bit of safety there if things go backwards. But because of my social because of my business, they'd come your after industry. me too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like you're a face. Yeah. The thing is like you are a face of what some people consider a problem. Yeah. I'm a groomer to some people. Yeah. No, we even go about down that route. <laughs> um, so, Corey, I'm curious if you would be willing to tell me a little bit more about just your personal history. Like, where did where did you grow up? What was it like being a queer kid in your town? Oh, this is so. You're gonna. You and I have never talked about this, and it's mm -hmm. gonna be such a wild ride because I did not understand sexuality for the longest time. And so I grew up, so just giving everyone like perspective, I grew up in a super small town, super religious in Kansas. So when I say like, I lived in town, but I could hear the cows move, literally that was it. And I was pretty sure I'm the only kid in my class of 36 that lived in town. Everybody else was farmers. So super small, 
super, super sheltered really for that. And there's pros and cons to it. I've learned a lot and I appreciate that now, but especially growing up, I didn't have space. I'm the youngest of four and my siblings were a little bit on the wild side. So I just kind of learned to shut down sexuality and not even use it as a consideration. So it's like, I never, I didn't understand attraction because I was genuinely not attracted to anybody in my, my school because we literally started pre-K together. <laughs> and it wasn't until I started like leaving. And I'm the only kid out of my family at that time that had ever flown on an airplane just because you couldn't get me out of there fast enough. And I just, all I knew is that I didn't fit in. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that everyone looked at me funny and I couldn't control who I was. And I was just like, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with me, but like, I just, I don't fit in here. And so I was really lucky that I was really stubborn. And so I went to college in Savannah, Georgia, and I went to an art school and that was the best decision I think I could have ever made in my life because it was such a safe space because it was, it didn't, it didn't matter. Like if you were transgender, if you, you know, were into really obscure things and it's like the nerdiest thing you could go out. Can we pause there for a second and talk about how, what a culture shock that oh, must yeah. have been to you, for you to go from small town, Kansas to it's Savannah College of Fine Art, right? Yeah, Savannah College of Art and Design. Art and Design. Yeah, yep. SCAD. That's it. SCAD. SCAD. I was like trying to remember. SCAD the, with the a average. D. <laughs> yep. Not T. <laughs> yes. That could be a whole other episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I know a few people who have gone there and, and I've been to Savannah lovely little city but like gorgeous ooh, Corey mm-hmm. made some changes you like oh, yeah. when you said you couldn't get out of there fast enough you went like to a fabulous town that I can only imagine facilitated some things that at every turn for a while you were like what 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 but totally. loving it yeah and that's the thing is like I loved every moment of it it was so diverse like culturally like viewpoints and and where I talk about that conversation like I had friends that were you know, Hindu, or they were first generation. And we all just talked about the challenges that we faced. And even culturally, like kids from New York City, kids from, um, oh my gosh, one of my best friends is from Guatemala. And it's just one of those things, like it was a safe space to teach and it was a safe space to educate and no one judged. And so you could kind of figure out just based off of that. And it's interesting too, with sexuality, like even then, like, cause I was paying for school myself, I didn't, allow myself to again still have that like attraction base because I was working so hard to stay in college that was like my goal I was like I want to I had this like viewpoint that once I got my degree that was going to solve all my issues it was going to allow me the flexibility the freedom like college just seemed like such a challenge and I was definitely more straight laced and then I snapped because I pushed myself too hard and then like oh rough but the other thing too with it is like I put myself in a space that I knew I was safe I had really good friends. I was at college and I was away from all of the pressure Mm -hmm. that I put on myself from being in a small town to be this perfect person, to be super, you know, the guy that gets straight A's, blah, 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 which is looking back on that now, it's like so ridiculous, but that was the expectation. And I had to eliminate all of those. And so like, I kind of started exploring around my sexuality. Of course, I was like, no, I'm not gay. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm bi. And then it wasn't until I was about 25 that I'm like, nope, I am like, if we, if we talk about queerness on a spectrum, I 99% gay. There's, I'm sure there will always be an exception. You're a candy but like, six. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, but it, it took me being in a long-term relationship to understand that. And it, it was years and years of figuring that out. So college was a great space to ask those questions. Several of my friends have now come out as asexual. So it was interesting because we grew up, we have that kind of conversation and it's, We also talk a lot about how like we've changed in our viewpoints on sexuality too over the course of our lifetime as we've gotten more exposure. So it's been really fun to be able to have that space and be like, these things in college make more sense. I was like, yeah, you really weren't attracted to anybody. Corey is always horny. So that's a problem. (laughs) Um, And so like, it's just one of those things like it's been fun. It's not a problem, Corey. That is not a problem to be horny all the time. It's not, no. Because I don't have a problem, so. Right, see, we're all in this together. But like, even just understanding like, like how you match. But yeah, so like, I kind of came out to my friends a little bit in college. I had like my college boyfriend, but again, I lived two different lives. I had my art school life and then I would go home and I would shut it down. And then I traveled full-time for four and a half years and I would date-ish while I was traveling. But again, my schedule didn't really allow for any of that. 
and I wanted a relationship. And I, I, I still didn't really tell my parents. I hung out with them quite a bit over the next four years. And then I had a long-term boyfriend that we did long distance and I was going to move there. But one of my stipulations back in the day was I'm not going to move in with somebody unless they meet my parents. So then started the process of like coming out to my parents. And that's the thing is like, I, for a lot of people, they have these crazy stories. I really didn't come out. I just kind of was like, Hey, this is the person that I'm now dating. It's not what you guys expected. But I was also like, I knew myself well in that situation. I was old enough. I was confident. I know I didn't need to lean on them in any capacity. And I kind of set very clear boundaries, especially with my dad about, you know, this is my boyfriend. You're not going to call anything else. You're not going to um, downgrade the relationship in any capacity. And I was also, but I was also very clear. I was like, I'm also going to respect your boundary. If you don't understand it, I love you. That will never change. But I was like, I'm also not going to make my partner come uncomfortable or you uncomfortable. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm the one that will bear whatever this, what the damage of this. I was like, I will do this so that we can have a relationship with both my family mm-hmm. and my partner. Yeah. I was like, but if I don't come around, that's on you because there's not a hotel. Like if I want to see my family, like it's so remote, really, I'm going to have to stay there. Yeah. And I was like, so if I end up like not having a relationship with my family, like I hope like everyone else is okay with it. And I get where you're coming from. I was like, but that's on you. That's not on me. I don't want it to be that way, but like, that's just where it is. And it's one of those things like my dad and I's relationship was very volatile, I would say throughout our, our history, but it's one of those he's one of the few people that has ever earned my trust back because I moved to Atlanta and I remember like six months later, he called me and like called me at lunch, which was unusual. I'm like, who's, you know, who's died because parents, <laughs> I was yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, this is like, this isn't timed well. I was like, why would you do this during lunch? But he called me and he's like, the first things out of his mouth was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, what? And then he started going to this and I'm on the phone, like in my new office with my new job. And and he's like, you know, I never really thought about like what you were going through. And I was like, I need to excuse myself. Um, and so like, I went to my car and like pretty much cried the entire time because he was like, I never put, he's like, I just wanted you to have an easy life. And he's like, but I never understood what it would be like to have to hide something or to suppress something. And he's like, I don't understand it. He's like, but you are always welcome here. Your partner's always welcome here. And he's like, I just wanted to tell you, sorry. Oh, I know. Sorry. And I was just like, and that's the thing is like people who have really hard religious backgrounds, because he's super religious. The thing is like, he was able to adapt and I gave him the space. I didn't pressure him into anything. I was very clear what I was, but I was like, my dad and I have a much stronger relationship because of that. He still doesn't understand it. I get it. I don't understand what it's like to be fully straight. That's just the reality of it. So yeah. You know, it's one of those like, but I just have so much respect for him for being able to do that. And I have so much more love for him because of that too. Mm, that's a really beautiful story. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I, that that's the ultimate spot that you landed in. That like, it may not have been oh, a super great lucky. easy path, but that's great that you're in that place now. Yeah. What was it like with your mom or your siblings? Oh, she was fine. Everyone was like, oh, this is where, oh, oh. okay. For anyone that's listening out there, if you suspect that your sibling, that your nephew, that your neighbor across the street is gay or questioning or transgender, start having a conversation and start normalizing the conversation. Because that was in there. one thing that always ticked me off was everyone's like, oh yeah, we knew. And I was like, how did you know, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I had signs, like you're, yeah, you've been exposed to the world more than what I have, but like I didn't have a figure out there to like look up to outside of TV. And I didn't, and I, and even now I still struggle because I don't fit the stereotype. I'm either too pretty or not pretty enough or too short, too tall, weirdly alternative. And, and like, I like tools and Subarus and everyone's like, you don't fit like the bill. And I was like, there isn't a gay bill. Like, right. <laughs> it's just like, like, I like dudes. I would like to date dudes. Um, you know, and, and that's and that was like start having those conversations to normalize it because not everyone's going to fit the standard. And and that's the thing where I tell people is like I wish that I was like super flamboyant or, you know, liked women's clothes, but like because it would have been easier because it would have been like just that more obvious. But like for me, it wasn't. And so that's where like start having those conversations, start exposing people to it. And I have to do that too with my nephews and nieces. They're in a more religious environment, so they're exposed to that too. But I remember one time like I like outed myself to my nephew and I was like oh yeah my boyfriend and he's like wait what and I was like what 
and I was like, did you not know I'm gay? And he was like, nope. And it took everything in me not to lecture him. And I was like, yeah, I am. Do you have any questions? And he's like, no, and moved on. Mm-hmm. And that was like, it was so hard to normalize it, but like, that's what we can do. Because if, mm-hmm. if he ends up having friends or if he's end up, ends up being gay or, you know, wants to explore, like knowing that it's safe and that there's nothing wrong with it. That was, that was my goal in kind of that conversation. And that's what I hope everyone continues to do. Yeah. I think that's, especially with kids these days, it's all, I don't know. It's like you can do. Well, the, the thing is like create that space for them to ask questions a lot of it is because there's so much more information out there now not all of it is accurate so yeah, like yeah go there, through and create that is true but there's that actually there's some some studies have shown recently that there is so much factual sexual health information and things to google it does push those yep. things to the top these days so the younger generation is so much more well-educated about sexual health that they are having less sex. They are delaying the first time that they have sexual intercourse. Teen pregnancy is down, but STIs are up. So what that tells us is that they may not be having intercourse, but they are still having a lot of sexual contact. Right. And they don't understand that they still need to use barrier protection for those yep. things too, or they still need to get STI tests. So totally. um, it's, and it's, it's okay kind of mixed do. bag right now. Oh, totally. And it's, and the, yeah, I would agree. So that's the other thing too, is like, it depends on the channels, social media though. That's where I always, I'm really cautious with social media because of what can be easily portrayed out there, especially in contexts like Snapchat, because you might normalize un, unsafe behavior um, in those situations, but mm-hmm. it is wild with that, even like where you're talking about like STDs, SDIs, that was part of like reason why I didn't have sex because I, it was in my brain, sex meant pregnancy, sex meant that you're going to get an STD. And like, especially with me, cause I'm type one diabetic. Like I was like, I already have issues. I don't need any more. Mm-hmm. So I was like very gun ho on just like, I want to be in a monogamous relationship with only one partner. And I thought that I could explore my sexuality more once I found someone that I was wanted to be involved with that was not the case Mm -hmm. so you know if you want to go and sleep around do it but educate yourself on safety go through and go you know get tested every three to six months depending on how many partners you have and then also be realistic with your doctors because there's been things that have been caught with me that could have snowballed into something much bigger um, had they not been you know properly addressed in a timely manner Mm-hmm. And normalize having conversations with partners about when was the last time you had an STI test yeah. before you do something. Yep. I, I can't tell you how many clients are like, okay, so how do I actually, when do I talk about this? Like, well, before you have sex. So like, yeah, but um, if, if you can't actually ask someone or tell someone, hey, I, I was tested recently. All my results were clear. How about you? Have you had a test recently? You shouldn't be having sex. No. You're, yeah, thing, like, like, you can't wait until you show up to have sex to, you know, then worry about barrier protection. Bring your own. Yeah. Come, come in with your own barrier protection. Come in with your own test results and be like, here you go. And if they can't do the thing. same thing, no go. Do yeah, not pass go. Exactly. That's where it's like, there's lots of masturbation tools out there. Just like, go like, go do it. Like normalize that too. But like, but, oh, I totally agree with you. It's like, if you can't have that conversation or like if you are sleeping around, and again, kudos, do it. I've done it. Go. But like, be honest with your partner and be like, you know, I really want to wrap it up or I want the barrier protection because like, I'm, I'm sleeping around. Like I'm here to have a good time. And it's like, as long as we're consenting adults, not doing harm, like that's fine. But like, don't be one of those people who just goes and, and, and doesn't take care of anything or everyone else's consideration. So like, and that's the other thing too, for everybody that's listening if you are in a situation where someone can't show you the results or doesn't want to talk about it or tries to peer pressure you, say no, walk out, cut them from your life because 100%. those people are not good people. And yeah, you just, you just have to have that conversation, protect yourself because no one else will. Absolutely. On that note, let's take one quick break. And when we come back, I mean, we're just going to continue rambling on about life, love, relationships, dating, sex, all the things. Perfect. 
It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. So did you date girls? Nope. No, you just dated guys? Did you ever just kiss a girl guys. or anything? Nope. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, so I'm trying to like think like, yeah, the first person I ever kissed, I was 20. Mm-hmm. That's how like repressed I was. Um, and he was a guy. I've now like, I've made out with girls now, but that's all drunk. But I've actually, I am a, I am a platinum gay. <laughs> uh, C-section baby. Yeah, that's where it's like, every, and everyone's always shocked. They're like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, yep, that's <laughs> me. When I discovered that I like dick, it was like, no going back. So I was, that's the thing too, is like, I would be open to someone who is trans, but like, it's one of those, I, I really love masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, and it's really interesting, is like, I have a tendency to date more effeminate men, but I really love that confidence. But I just like, like, like I like the way a man smells. I like the muscle structure. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 99.9, probably 99.99% gay here. <laughs> I, I am, I believe, because you know, something you did mention earlier is that you had to recognize the, the shifts that what you've identified as your, right. your sexuality has, has shifted. It's not maybe even so much that your sexuality has shifted. It's just that different stages you've tried to maybe put a label on it for, for understanding things like yep. that. I think that's really all the labels are. They're just containers to help us understand something. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I went from thinking I was just completely straight to sort of questioning, but not saying anything. Yep. You know, realizing that I'm not watching heterosexual porn and it's, yeah. and I like it, to then calling myself bisexual, but realizing that I think I'm still hetero romantic. I, I've I said for a long that. time, like, I don't know if I would ever be in a relationship with a woman, but again stars align the, the person is the right human being maybe so I don't know totally. um, I just don't see myself having my Glennon Doyle moment one day right plus I fucking love Matthew like I love this man he is he is so my great. person yeah yes. he is my twin twin um yeah I think you have to allow yourself space as you're totally. aging to just let go of a label that you may have held on to, or maybe you only identify with parts of a label. Again, if you're saying totally, you thought maybe you were bisexual, you were half right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. When <laughs> when I when I finally figured that out, I was like, I just remember like wanting, like uh, I wanted a relationship, and I thought that was with a woman, and it was just it felt wrong, mm-hmm. and I never could, and that's that's part of the reason why I never pursued it is because I I learned to trust my gut at a really young age, and. I didn't, I always thought it was just because it was a person, but it was, it was, no, it was because like, I genuinely wasn't attracted. I could have, I could have forced myself into it, but I, it, that's not fair for anybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I would say like more of the labels are, is like, I figured out that I was gay in that long-term relationship because it was a sexless relationship, which again, lesson learned during that one. Cause I was like trying to throw myself at him and like, he was bisexual um, and I couldn't fulfill his needs. And there was, that was, I mean, he was trash, but long story short, that's really what it boils down to. But it, it, it's one of those, like, in that moment, that's where I was like, you know, it's not worth not exploring this. And so when I broke up with him, I just, that was the first time I let loose. And then I like pulled back because I was like, Corey, this is crazy and unsafe. And that's where like a lot of it's because there wasn't a whole lot of conversation about, you know, prep. It was when prep was really just starting to hit the market much wider and so like, I was uneducated. I lived in Atlanta. So like, I knew what was going on. I had had several HIV scares because of said partner, because he's trash. But it's one of those things where it's like, I just, I kind of like pulled back in after exploring. And then when I moved back to the Midwest, I was like, okay, let's try this again. And so like, I, I'm, I'm a lot more sexual than people realize when they first meet me. They think that I have a really nice demeanor or whatnot. And they think that I'm going to be the person with vanilla sex, but I am kinky as fuck yes so damn Corey. so many things that you've said today you're like this is why we're friends mm-hmm. the more i yeah. get to know you the more i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> do you want to spit yet. my That's face like, <laughs> spit my face do it i still never really done that i never yeah, really I didn't either to... okay there was a movie that i saw recently and it was a lesbian scene with rachel weiss and um mm-hmm. rachel mcadams i don't remember oh, the name of the movie but it's not it was about, it was about going back to, right 
it's about Rachel Weiss going back to, uh, I believe it was a Hasidic Jewish community that she was raised in, but had left uh, because she had same-sex attraction and had been chastised and she decided to leave rather than follow rules. Um, and they had this scene where they finally give in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have never seen a spit in my mouth scene that made me go like, oh, that was hot, but that was yep. hot. So oh, that, there's, it was a recent thing for me. And I was like, oh, I didn't know I was into it. And I was like, I'm into it with you. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't approached Matthew about turning that yet. But I mean, maybe I'd, we still have not done uh, either a yes, no, maybe list or will, want, won't list. Have you ever done one of those before? I've not been with a person long enough to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just give you the, the free coaching advice here, Corey. When you do find someone that you think, maybe I want to keep this person around for a while, it can be really fun to do one of these. Now, like, a yes, no, maybe list that, that's out there. Uh, it tends to be a lot shorter. Some of them are maybe just two pages. Um, Scarletteen.coms is like six. Okay. But I found this will, I will, I want, I won't list. So yeah. it is still same three categories, but it gets really, really specific. And one half of it is what you want to give. One half of it is what you want to receive. Cause there can be a difference. Right. So it's very in-depth. And it, it, there's definitely some things I even had to Google. So most people have to Google some things. Right. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's got a lot, including Matt. Yeah. So maybe I just need to find out if Matthew's into it by doing one of those. And- well, yeah. Yes or no. Yeah. You're just like, flip <laughs> this. Be like, what are we thinking about this? Way? Right. And, I think and like that- maybe as a really interesting place. Cause as you said, yeah. I'm not super into it with you. Or maybe, you know, it has to be this way. Like, don't like into my Ooh, face. No, you just like, no. let's get just going to triple, you know, off your, yeah. you know, whatever. I like a little bit more force. Okay, so see, like, there you go. Like, you got to yeah. figure out the context in which like right. that is But if someone like you. hocked the loogie and did that, that's disgusting. I don't Ew. even like hearing the like, if they're like trying Ugh. to do that for lube. Ugh. Spit is not lube, y'all. Unless no. it's for blowjobs. Spit is not lube for <sighs> other holes. <laughs> and on top I, of that like mucus is not what i want no no anyway uh, uh, that's a psa yeah, for think, all people listening sorry to your yeah, yeah oh gosh uh yeah here's the thing like with it but like with all of it too especially sex in general like for me at least when it comes to a relationship i want someone who's willing to explore like i view sex and this is this is this is a shift where we had talked about where like a shift of mine that has changed where i was like this is kind of just like an act you know, you do it because that's what you do with your partner. No, sex is a game and it's something that I want to play with the person and I want a monogamous, monogamous relationship, but like, I want them to feel comfortable being like, Hey, I saw this, this has been on my mind. Do you want to explore and try it? And a way you can do the yes, no, maybe situation and be like, I'm uncomfortable with this, whether, whether it makes me feel unsafe or you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z to get to that point. Like, how can we work up to that to get me comfortable or to get you comfortable? And I think that's like, that's how I view sex in a relationship. Because it's, again, it might be one of those things where I think that might be a fun, like weird kink right now, but maybe that'll shift later down the line and be like, you know what? I think I'm kind of over that. That was kind of weird. And just that like one isolated moment. Mm -hmm. So being someone who grew up in a rather repressed situation and didn't start exploring until college, did you have someone introduce you to kink or were you the one that was trying to like seek information and found that? Like, how did you stumble upon some of the aspects of kink that you enjoy? Wow. I don't know. Uh, I would say like porn was definitely a part of it. Um, no one really introduced me to it. I think it's one of those things, just having had multiple partners, I think they've kind of introduced, like they've put something or they are, they put something. (laughs) Giggle, giggle. Um, Yes, please. Uh, But no, I would say a lot of it is they've they've either done something that made me interested in it or the reality of it too. God, this is like yesterday. Um, I think it's funny, like to have my ass slapped or whatnot. And like yesterday got super obliterated and it was kind of like a party trick where I just, I was like, you can literally slap me as hard as you want. And I get weird enjoyment out of it, but it was like, it was like a drunk party trick. And that used to like, that's honestly probably how I've been introduced to most things. Cause I have a high pain tolerance. Mm. Also more <laughs> things that you probably now know about me. Um, but like, I, I so- also have a high pain tolerance. Mm, I'm not surprised, mm-hmm. but like even in college, like 
if I got super drunk, I couldn't feel my face. So I'd let people slap me just because I could take it. <laughs> You're like, hey, and then I'd be, and then they would do it and they would always, and it was the funniest thing. Cause it was always, and like, it didn't matter who you were. It was always just my group of friends, like men, women, and they would do it and they would just be so hesitant because they were like, they've always wanted to slap somebody, but they're like, I feel uncomfortable doing this. And they would just like love tap me. And I was like, no, like backhand, like just go. Luckily I phased out of that, but it's one of those, I was now obviously that's how, that's how I got into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now oh. you know all of this and everyone knows about this now, but oh. hey. But it's like, it's one of those things, again, it's also a permission thing where it's like, I have to give you permission to be able to do that. If someone ever just did that, it'd be like, you need to back up and we're fighting. Consent is a thing. Absolutely. Oh, such a thing. Yes. yes. Corey, you should know by now that I absolutely believe in allowing your freak flag to fly because oh, someone out there is going to love how it looks. So maybe by letting the world know these things, you're just going to attract the partner who fits all the bills that you're looking for them to, to fit I'm so sorry for anybody that does fit those bills because this is a wild ride that sometimes needs to be locked in a box (laughs) in that situation not kinky I can I can (laughs) say with with full certainty that are you turning red I think you're turning a little red no it's just the lighting in here dang it dang I was like did I get did I get her embarrassed a little bit No, I was going to say, like, while you didn't ask for any coaching advice here yet, yet, uh, because we haven't gotten to that section of the the interview yet, um, I can say with full certainty that if you feel like you need to sometimes compartmentalize or sometimes, you know, unleash a side of yourself, I can understand that. So long as you don't hold back more than you feel like is necessary. Yeah. No more repression. Totally. We, we aren't we are not into repression around no. here there's a difference the between like setting aside specific time for certain play but yeah totally well I think that's like in every and again for every, everyone listening this is for everything in life like I I know I'm really bad and I'm getting much better as I'm getting older because it was really easy for me to compartmentalize my youth but like it's not worth it so if you're if you're into something if you want to try it out let that space always allow space for it. And yes, sometimes life gets into the point where, you know, you're overly busy and you don't have time for you. But like, if you start recognizing that or that part of your soul isn't being acknowledged, make that space, make those transitions to be able to provide that for you at some time, because otherwise you will end up, you'll end up losing yourself. And I've done that and it's not fun. And it takes a long time to be able to get back out of that. So, and that's the other thing too, is like, if anyone's listening that, you know, has like strict parents or, you know, as a strict parent themselves, like the thing is like, I snapped because like, I just could not contain myself anymore. And I was like, and then it felt good to let go. And I've also had to check myself too, because like, I come from a family that has, you know, alcoholism an issue, substance abuse is an issue. So like, Again, I will say thank you for diabetes because that's definitely kept me in check several times. But it's one of those things like I was never taught how to do it in a safe way. And I had to learn how to do it in a safe way by myself. And that the same goes with like sexuality and sex. Like yeah. that's, that's and the problem. It is the if problem. If you don't and, give kids a context, they, there's almost no way that they can purposefully be safe. They might accidentally yep. be safer, but... People can't protect themselves and make smart decisions if they're not given all the information. 100%. And I will, and I will thank my really, really, oh my gosh, we're not really friends anymore, more like acquaintances, but she still holds like a really special place in my heart. But she was the first person who I'd ever drank with. And she was like, how do you, like, you're going to be in a situation potentially with like a a boss or some social setting. She's like, if you don't know how you're going to respond to alcohol, this is the space to learn how, how you do respond. So that way you know what your limits are. And that clicked and I was like, thank you. And we did it in a safe space. Like we got a hotel room. We drank probably way too much, but it was contained. None of us were driving. Luckily it was also Savannah, but it's, it's just one of those things like, and that same goes with sex. Like if you're curious about it, if you find someone that's also curious about it, as long as you're having a conversation, life is awkward. Sex is awkward. Drinking is awkward. You know, that's just, that's, that's just what it is. Like, being human is awkward so like just be human and be awkward together in a safe way 
Yes. Very well put. Very, very well put. Well, Corey, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think we're kind of at the end here. And I wanted to do our last segment here, which is to the opportunity to ask Coach Kristen anything. So again, this is your opportunity to ask me something you might want answered. You can ask for a friend or you can ask me something. Maybe it's, it's come up in conversation with people that you know and you just want some clarity or to double check, you know, if you, you gave out correct sexual health information. So, Corey, what would you like to ask me today? I actually just want to get your perspective. Okay. So one of the challenges that I face in the gay community is that I value monogamy. How would you, because I never knew how to navigate that conversation, how would you navigate that conversation with somebody that you're interested in or even if it's like you're going out on dates as because like for me I know it, it is a it's a one of the things I check off my list you know like are these qualities that I have now that I'm older I know what those are but how do you a how do you explore if that's what you want or don't want and then also how do you go through and start bringing up that conversation to a potential partner okay tons and tons of people out there are exploring what's right for them right now as far as a relationship structure and I think for a lot of people like that's really beautiful if especially if they have tried monogamy before and it hasn't worked like that that's great for them but for the vast majority of people they are actually wired to be monogamous I know whether it's the the millennials or gen z whatever a lot more of them are exploring polyamory and, and like again that's fine but I do see relationship structure as sort of being like an orientation. You are either wired to want to be partnered with just one person at a time. We'll come back to that <laughs> versus more than one person at a time. Okay. So that's again, mono, mono amory versus polyamory is the ability to love amory be that thing polyamory being the ability to love more than one person, monoamory being the ability to only love one person at a time. Monogamy is having sex with one person at a time. You know, we say polygamy is like multiple marriages, but again, what I'm getting at is there's a difference between simply feeling like your heart can only open up to one person at a time versus feeling like your heart can open up to multiple people and that you can hold space for multiple people. Okay. It's not even about the level of work that one or the other takes because they are both work. It doesn't matter whether you've got one person, you've got two or three that you're juggling. We are just sometimes wired to want that one special person, okay? Um, and Esther Perel says that monogamy used to mean sex with one person your entire life, and now it just means sex with one person at a time. So that's why I threw that in there. Um, but I think there is sort of this perception out there, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, you being a gay man, I think there is this perception that if you're gay, that you're just automatically in an open relationship or an ethically non-monogamous relationship, right? Yeah, and that's, I think that's the thing that's really interesting, and, and not only that is, like, I'm going to answer your question, but I was also just educated in multiple ways, because I never considered non-monogamy as potentially just, like, one at a time. And having, having been with people who are, want to be in a polyamorous or a non-monogamous relationship, I can like fit those people into those bills because they could only do it one at a time or they could do it to multiple. And it, it was really interesting to have that perspective because that's never been, the way that you explained it is really beautiful and clicks and resonates both with my brain and my heart. Um, so everyone that's listening out there, go back that last like five <laughs> minutes, re-listen to it again because I'm going to. But yes, there is that perception, especially as a, a gay man who is for the most part only interested in other men that they're that they are in this automatic open relationship and it's for me is like I and, and the, the reality of it too is like with monogamy is like I love the beauty and the sacrifice that's kind of with it but a lot of it is also a safety thing and 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 where you were talking about like space for your heart I really only have space for one person to be mm -hmm. on that kind of level mm -hmm. and I've had to learn that about myself um and it's a hard one to kind of explain sometimes just because it's, I'm a, I like to think that I'm a deep like I'm a deep person um, and I want to give them all of that. And, mm -hmm. and I can't, I can't share that. That's just not how I'm, that's not how I'm wired. And I think that's how you, you share it, that while you understand that 
plenty of people on this planet are wired to be able to share their hearts with multiple people at a time, you're not one of them. Right. And that what you are looking for is someone who, who is wired that way. I was once asked by somebody if I thought that people who are polyamory minor or believe that they could, you know, or have successfully been consensually non-monogamous can partner with someone who is monogamous. And at the time I told them like, I don't really think so in the long run. I think it'd be, I think it would be hard. It'd be really complicated. And like, it's, I don't think it's impossible, but at the same time, it, it, it's a little bit of either asking one person to make concessions or it's asking somebody to shut something off about yep. themselves. But, but then again, everyone is responsible for their own choices. Again, I'm, I'm a bisexual person. Matthew is too. We choose to be together. And, you know, we are, there are choices we're going to have to make together about how our, you know, relationship manifests in certain ways with being consensually non-monogamous. But, but as of right now and for a while, we've been monogamous because it's just, you know, time and space, but like, yeah, pandemic. Right. But like, I think part of it for you is that, that bit of hardballing, which is a dating technique of saying, here's what I'm looking for. What are you looking for? How do we line up? And if there's some major differences, we just don't bother wasting each other's time. But I think the way that you put it is like, I just have space in my heart for one person. And I'm looking for someone else that really just wants to have this in not in a codependent way yes. you know that's the other aspect of monogamy everyone listens to the show should know by now i'm obsessed with esther perel and i love sharing some of her thoughts when you're in a monogamous relationship that other person cannot fulfill everything for you it still nope. takes a village and i think that's often what people trying out consensual non-monogamy or trying to fulfill is to get that village aspect and for some people sexually relationship wise that could work but then others find oh it was simply that I was trying to put too much on my partner's shoulders or they were trying to put too much on mine and that's why we tried this but really what I was looking for was more community or more friends or just somebody to be there in my life besides this person that I married or you know made a family with right so that's the other aspect of it too, is to simply be clear that for sharing your heart and your life and building something, you want that one person, but you're also not looking to make them the absolute center of your world. And you don't want to be the absolute center of theirs. You can't fulfill everything for each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think right. that's a beautiful way to put it too. Cause it's like, yeah, that's for me is like, you definitely need a community aspect of it. Um, because there's, and this is what I'll say with everyone, regardless of how long you've dated someone, sometimes you just need to vent about the partner or the person that you're seeing because people are people and sometimes you're, they just annoy the crap out of you. And you're like, what are you doing? Or like, I can, surprise, surprise, I can be a little bit dramatic. And I'm like, am I blowing this out of proportion? And they're like, yes, Corey, you're being crazy right now. And I'm like, okay, got it. I'm gonna, let's get this crazy out right now. I'll re-enter in this conversation more level-headed and then we'll, you know, move forward. But the community aspect of it is really huge. And, and the thing too is like things shift. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's one of, the, one of the biggest things that I want to tell everybody that's also on here. Like I've been with people and I'm very clear about the monogamy component. I now have a lot more tools just even based off this conversation to be able to communicate that more clearly, especially my perspective. But if that changes for you or your partner, talk to your partner about it because that way you don't build resentment. Because there's been, I've been with multiple people who said that, yes, they can do monogamy and that's shifted and they've held me closer, even though I couldn't fulfill their needs. And I could feel that I couldn't fulfill their needs and they couldn't fulfill mine. And it built more resentment. And there's nothing wrong with moving away from a relationship if it's no longer working. I think that's also a hard lesson that I've had to learn because it is wired up in a rural community. It's like, I chose this person. I want to be with this person forever. I would love to find that someday. I'm also totally okay with not finding that person and having these moments with people because it has made my life more full. But that's the biggest thing is like, have those conversations. If they come up, yes, it's uncomfortable. But the thing is you're going to build and save that friendship because if you don't, you will lose it. Bingo. Yes. Lots of soapboxes that I've stood on today. Same here. That's okay. (laughs) I feel like this was a beautiful conversation and I, I do feel like I've gotten to know you a lot better today. So thank you. 100%. Yes. Everything.
Absolutely. My pleasure. So Corey, how can the people find you on social media to support your, your artwork and things like that? You mean my thirst traps as yes, a marketing that tool? Too. That too. Um, <laughs> I knew joke. I joked this one the other day. I was like, you love thirst traps. Oh, oh yeah. That's 100%. It's so such a good you, way. That's, you, um, you do your thing. Do your yeah. thing, boo. Yes. Yeah, so um, I would say for the most part, follow me on Instagram or Facebook, um, Corey W. Green. So that's C-O-R-E-Y, W like Wayne, green, just like the color. Um, it will be all my thirst traps. The more that I want you to see, if I'm promoting out, whether it's an art show, whether it's something a good cause, it will get thirstier. Um, it is not actually who I am. However, you know, if you look at the marketing tools and analytics, people like a boy with his shirt off. So I will provide that for them. Uh, yeah, gay or straight people like a boy with their shirt off. So right. it, yeah, also thank you for the motivation catching. to keep me working out. Um, <laughs> otherwise I would not do it, but you know, everyone has those expectations and it's helpful. You're just working the algorithm, my friend. That's all. 100%. Yes. I, I know that, that I get boosted when I look cuter or I got a little cleavage going on or, you know, people like people like the videos more than they like the photos people like the photos more than they like the text so like i hear you fuckers okay i'll play your goddamn games that's 100 <laughs> i was like yeah it's gonna be yeah everyone everyone's like what are you doing there they're like this doesn't match who you actually are i'm like nope but the thing is it, it's it is literally paid me it's it's a paid media and i was like at this point in time like my entry fee is me taking off my shirt <laughs> i'm here for it i'm here for it too <laughs> yes so i apologize for everyone it's going to be a random uh, assortment of hairless cory hairless cat sometimes they throw in some artwork in there but yeah a lot of butts on beaches uh you know or, i do or, have... or, or chest drink you know chest drinking coffee in the morning you know yeah, there's there's a lot of disney mugs that's that's true too yeah yeah i do have a folder that's saved on both my phone and then also my google drive that is literally just thirst traps um, so when I need to bust them out, I have them readily available. Do what you gotta do. Easy <laughs> on your life because, like, playing a game, and, like, gotta post some content, gotta post some oh content. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah. You know, do what so you stressful. Do. Yeah. Oh god, don't get me started. Yep. yep. I gotta post some content. I gotta go wash my hair and post some content too today. So. Heck yeah. Woo. Oh, and uh, one last thing: when it comes to people being able to find you, it aren't you going to be on like a billboard soon or something? Yeah. So I'm actually really excited. And this is like with all the conversation that we've been talking about. Um, I was actually asked to be a, a model for a photographer for the Kansas City Arts. They do the billboards in Midtown mm -hmm. um, in the Crossroads District. And he wanted to do a conversation piece about love. So he wanted two men that was kissing and capture the moment right before. So starting around July 1st, you will see my face and actually my neighbor's face on the billboard right across from Updown. Why did they do it for Pride Month? <laughs> you know what? I think what it is is they're keeping it extended because it'll be up until like August, September. So it'll it's, it's supposed to go up. I don't know if it's actually on July 1st, but it'll be up for a long period of time. And it is, <laughs> the photographer is did a beautiful job. Well, and as I, as I even came out of my mouth, I was like, but wait, Pride's forever. We need, we need representation all year long not yeah, just exposure mm -hmm. and it is it's literally just a kiss it's something that is super simple that people have you know over sexualized and it's there's nothing wrong with with it you know and that and someone might need to see it mm -hmm. well I can't wait to see it I'm looking forward to it so who is who is billboard boy <laughs> hashtag who is billboard boy watch for that folks. I'm getting t-shirts made oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I want one. Oh, it'll happen. Okay, perfect. Thank you again so very, very much for being on Keep Them Coming. My gosh, thank you. This has been a blast. Yes, it has. Absolutely. You're welcome back anytime. Perfect. I'm going to take you up on that. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, 
please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.